Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Hello, loves. I am so excited to announce that I'm going to be facilitating alongside some incredible teachers at the Austin Tantra Festival coming up here in Austin, Texas, December 16th through the 18th. I love, love, love these community spaces as incredible opportunities to learn tools for greater intimacy, authenticity, and connection. These sort of containers are really a safe space to practice setting boundaries, to discover and push your edges, to let go of any limiting beliefs around connection, sexuality, or intimacy. So tickets are now on sale at austintantrafestival.com. I have a special code for you. Leola10, that's L-E-O-L-A 10, gets you 10% off tickets. So I hope to see you there. I will be linking Austin Tantra Festival in the show notes. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome to Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today I have a very, very, very special guest on the podcast. I got three berries. Three berries. My boyfriend. Hi. Partner, beloved. Yes. <laughs> Andrew. Uh, and we're going to be chatting a little bit about how things are going. It's only been three and a half months, maybe a little bit less than that, since we started connecting and dating and falling in love. And this is my first time having a like partner on my podcast after you know two years of running this and having dated. Um, many men and have had even been in a serious partnership for a big chunk of it. Uh, and especially to have a partner on so early in the relationship was a bit of a crunchy decision for me to make or surrender into because I feel like there's a lot of conditioning and belief around like timelines and relationships as well as like how vulnerable you can and should be. And also this feeling of like, especially working in the space that I do that like, it needs to be like perfect. And the relationship has like, has to have this like perfect look to it to um, be able to like market. And even you, like a lot of individuals in this space, like use their relationship to sell. And I don't think that's a bad thing, um, but that does like, create this energy of like necessary perfection and at the end of the day it it did feel really early to welcome you on the podcast but I also feel like there's a lot of beautiful there's a lot of beautiful things that are happening right now and we're in them right now and we've also gotten a lot of feedback about how we interact with each other that has been very positive and very inspirational 
for people. And so to withhold that those stories or to withhold the tools that are helping us at this particular point while they're so like relevant to us feels like a disservice. So to me, almost feels like a duty to talk about them and to also share, you know, the things that we're like working through as well. Yeah. But I think it would also be like inauthentic um, and to not share those things. Um, So, so much of the, Hey, what's up everybody. Um, (laughs) I'm Andrew. Uh, I'm just a normal dude that is dating this lovely human here. And I see so much uh, on the internet. Uh, uh, there's a lot of like playing at stuff and a lot of displays of um, like trying to look perfect or awesome or display some sort of persona. And yeah, we all have like who we actually are and we all have different masks for different areas of life that we're in and, and such. Um, but I think people really want and are craving authenticity and vulnerability. And so to not share like how we're doing or what our struggles are or how stuff really is, um, not only is like a disservice, um, but it's all, I think it's also depriving of people of what they actually want. And I won't even talk about it. It's, it would be not what I want. I think that, uh, like I crave authenticity. I crave the vulnerability, um, because I mean, uh, partially because there's not a lot of it out there and partially because that's one of my areas of growth and opportunity to be vulnerable. (laughs) Um, and to go all the way back to the relationship to being so new and the reluctance of having me on here one thank you i feel very special you are very uh and and then two (laughs) yeah like oh man at least for me what comes up like i'm putting myself in the shoes of someone who has a podcast and a following and such it's like "Mm, well what if i have him on here and then it doesn't work out yeah and then i've got to explain all of that stuff and then what does that say about me yeah i mean on that note i recorded an episode it was actually almost a year ago, if not exactly a year ago, this time where I talked about how to manifest your ideal lover or partner, which I did. And my ex was my ideal lover or partner up to what I knew at that time. And now that has evolved, but there was a sense of like, Ooh, like, am I failing? Because, you know, this relationship isn't working out. And in reality, there's a whole other discussion in terms of like, what makes a relationship a success? In my opinion, that relationship was a success, even though it didn't um, have the longevity that I desired. But. Well, there's only really one solution now that I've been on your podcast and then we just have to get married. <laughs> so <laughs> we just have to be together forever. That's and the only, the only way to avoid the shame. Yeah. And I think that another reason why I feel more comfortable having you on my podcast is because I really feel like you're super committed to this relationship. You're two feet in. And that's something that like, I've never felt before in a relationship um, in that we both were feeling like so committed and devoted to the relationship. And that's something that I feel like has been quote unquote working for us is like from our very first date, we kind of decided like out is not an option the boats are burned. We are 
going to work through our shit. We both see that there's something really special here and we're going to challenge each other greatly. And that's what we want. And so we're just going to push through. But before we get like too into like all the deep topics, I'd love for you to just share a little bit more about yourself. Sure. What do you want to know? Or what do you want your folks to know? What do you want to tell them? What do I want to tell them? Yeah. Well, you just, first of all, you just judoed my interview trick, which is the best is just to get someone to ask me what they really want to know. I know. I saw right through it. And then you saw right through it. (laughs) And now I have to come up with the interesting things about myself. Yeah, you do. You want to help them. Uh, but I genuinely do. I do want to know what would be, because there's a lot I could go into about who I am and. Maybe I can share some things that I feel like are relevant and that I deeply appreciate about you. And that I think like are also like the listeners can relate to. And so Andrew is a software engineer, but also is deeply devoted to like growth oriented containers, does some mentorship as well. Um, we've had an intense year, which we could talk about a little bit. I mean, I don't know. Is any of that really sparking, uh, some inspiration to share more about yourself? Well, sure. I mean, I feel like in our culture, it's pretty, uh, like the first thing that we talk about is what someone does to make money. Um, and how about this? This is a good question. What are you passionate about and how do you use your passion to bring purpose to the world? Great. Yeah. So I think those two those two are super interconnected. And what I'm most passionate about is uh, increasing well-being mm-hmm. um, for myself and for other people. That's my North Star, really. And you talked a little bit about mentorship and you're like, well, what does mentorship mean? Um, For me, the type of mentorship that I do is like basically just life mentorship. So young men have just approached me and asked uh, uh, like basically just for guidance um, for this well-being that I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, What I generally find with the guys that I work with is they are relatively successful. They're like, hey, Andrew, I've gotten the job. I have the girlfriend. Uh, I have the apartment or the car or the whatever. And I still don't really feel that great. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, I'm assuming I can curse on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure I can say fuck, right? On the, like, yeah, yeah on the Deep Throating is Amazing podcast. Yeah, okay. Um <laughs> Then uh, <laughs> he's referencing a past episode in which we talked about deep burning as a spiritual practice. So yes, you can say fuck and you can talk about blowjobs and great all the good stuff. So um, don't hold back. Poop up, poop in butts, poop, 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 poop. <laughs> um, and so they, they come to me and they're like, Hey, Andrew, um, I've got all the stuff. Uh, you know, I've got X, Y, Z thing and like insert, like why my life should be awesome. Um, but I'm still really not feeling it. What the fuck is going on? And we uncover the root causes and conditions of why that is, uh, and then work through that. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I think like money, status, success, um, 
are all like proxies for what these guys are actually seeking and myself. Yeah. And to me, you do this through these mentorships, but I also see you doing that in like every area of your life and our life. I see you do that in our relationship. I see that you do that with the people that you work with. I see you do that with your family. Like you are in the North star of living, like to strive towards overall well-being. That's the goal. And I fuck it up all the time. Right. And so I I don't do it perfectly by any means, but that's kind of my North star. And I use well-being intentionally Mm -hmm. instead of something like happiness or things like that. I feel like happiness is a super loaded word and people have a bunch of baggage and association of what that really means. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's like the way I would explain well-being would be like a peaceful contentedness. Like when I wake up in the morning, uh, what is my first, how do I feel? Yeah. What is my, what are my first thoughts? Cause 20 years ago or so, my first thought when I woke up in the morning was fuck, like, how do I live this life that I'm living? I, I, I don't want to go outside my house. I don't want to go to this job that I like, I, like, I, I don't know how to be me. Uh, and through a very long and difficult process of discovery, uh, I found a process that works pretty fucking well. Yeah. for general contentedness and well-being um, in the long term. And that's not to say I don't experience the full range of human emotion. Of mm-hmm. course I do. Um, but in aggregate, nine days out of 10, I feel pretty fucking good. Yeah, you've built a lifestyle that keeps you in a space of resiliency and you also now have the tools that don't mean that you never feel off or dense or whatever ever again, but you are able to use the tools that you've learned in the process to get back to the result of feeling closer to well-being. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And then the, the, the a short or short phrase that I have for that is like the well-being I experience is an accident. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. just stumble in it. Mm-hmm. You created it. And then the lag time between when I'm not there and when I can get there has just become much, much shorter. Also the lag time between like when I, you know, like I said, I I don't do it perfectly by any means. The lag time between when I fuck up and when I own fucking up is incredibly short. And we can give a super cool example of that. If you want to, I can tell a story about from our relationship of when I wasn't being in my highest. Yeah, sure. Let's go. If you're down to share. I'm totally down. Let's share it now. We're, I feel like this podcast is going to be all over the place. And I do want to give the listeners like our meeting story and all of that. But while we're on the topic, let's just go into this. Yeah. Very, go ahead. Are you thinking about the story that I'm I'm not, of? I'm not totally sure. Okay. So, so um, I recently started going back to church. Okay. Yeah. You want to do that one? Let's go. <laughs> I let's love go. this story. Okay, <laughs> and so uh, I feel like even just saying going to church is triggering for people. Yeah. Uh, and great. Awesome. If you're triggered, fantastic. I love. Yeah. And can I also just like insert in here also been triggered by church. This is the, this is the topic that we talk about along the podcast, but Jesus and Mary Magdalene are also like deeply linked to sacred sexuality. When you like actually dig into the authentic teachings, um, especially Mary Magdalene and just planning it here, the Magdalene manuscript is a great book. If you're interested in hearing more about that side of things. And that's how I healed my relationship to Christianity and Jesus. And at the same time, I still struggle with it. And we're going to hear more about that. (laughs) (laughs) And 
I do too. I have my own baggage with it as well. I grew up Catholic and, uh, but like the kind of Catholic where my family would say after church, it's like, yeah, you know, God created everything except for money that you have to give him every Sunday. Um, or like, don't worry, you get banged. like, yeah, yeah, you're getting confirmed, but really only doing it for grandma. So it was always like taken with a grain of salt, this kind of yeah. stuff. Um, and a ton of baggage just from the church and all of the guilt and whatnot mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but I recently started going back and uh, you were super supportive of me going and you offered to come uh, even with your own baggage around church. And I actually didn't offer to come. I specifically waited for you to ask me. I was like, I could offer, <laughs> but I don't, I don't I actually don't feel like it's authentic, but if it's important to him, I will go. And so that's what happened. You asked me, will you come with me? And I was like, yes, of course. And so you were, you were awesome enough to be willing to come when I asked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that Sunday rolls around when you're down to go and you get changed and come out in what you can describe the dress. I think you would want to describe it more accurately than I will, but it's this red <laughs> sultry sex priestess dress for Sunday church. And I'm like, babe, you cannot wear this dress to church. We got to meet people where they're at. And I feel like this is way too much for them to be able to handle. And you're like, no, uh, if like, I want, if I'm going to go to church, I want to go to a church where people are going to accept me for me. I'm a fucking sex priestess. And this is my thing. And then I was a pouty little bitch about it <laughs> and was like, why are you testing me? Why are you making this so hard? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, like verbally stopping my feet. Uh, and was like, well, I'm, I'm cutting, I'm like cutting this a little, condensing this, but like, uh, and I was like, well, I'm not going to go. And like, and then you were like, well, I'm going to go, I'm dressed up. I'm going to church. You call an Uber, go to church. And so to go into like collapsing the gap between being like not being perfect and like going into where and and being how I want to behave like 15 minutes go by. And I'm like, I left, I I got an Uber and went to church by myself, having not been to church in 15 years and have no connection to this church. Don't Zero. know anyone walking in. And I am wearing an outfit that is like, to me, I'm like, I'm dressed for the occasion. I'm wearing like, a, like if I'm going to walk into a place of worship, I want to be like in my priestess outfit. And it is provocative in some ways, but also like to me, like being in my body and celebrating my body and like, and in, in it's a beautiful dress, you know, is what it is. Anyway, so the point is, it was, look, it was very stretchy for me. You look fucking hot and- it And sacred, not, and I look sacred. Yeah, and it would not be, <laughs> if I were to tell a, a random person on the speech, street to please draw and describe a Sunday dress, that would not be it. It wouldn't be it. And also to kind of give a little <laughs> bit of backstory about like how it was decided that I would wear this particular dress, like- we were actually supposed to go a different week and I had a whole different outfit picked out. And then we couldn't go that week because something happened or whatever. And then a couple of weeks later we were going and I was like getting my stuff together to stay at your house the night before. And it was like, I didn't eat. It was, it was like my higher self just dropped in and took over in my body and just grabbed this outfit out of my closet. Like it wasn't like I was trying to be provocative or like make a scene at the church. It was just like, this is what I'm wearing. This is who I am. And this is what I'm wearing. It was a very interesting experience, but anyway, so I leave 
I get to church. The church is very packed. I sit in the back, have the experience. It was emotional for me. We don't need to go into that. But what was your next view? So after she leaves, I'm sitting in my apartment consulting my conscience. And I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) This is not who I want to be. A capital W want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, or like higher self or God consciousness, whatever like woo-woo word I want to use to describe mm-hmm. it. At the end of the day, it's like, who do I actually really want to be in this world? Mm-hmm. And that was not it. So I really only had one choice uh, and one option. Well, I had a bunch of options. One would be like, just stay here. <laughs> uh, and, but the really only choice on the table was to go back to go to church and go with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I drove up to church and I met you at church and then gave you a big hug and kiss in church. Yeah. So as I'm walking out after service, Andrew is like on the other side of the doors. Yeah. Cause they had already closed the doors cause it was so full. I yeah. couldn't actually go in for yeah. the service. So I'm waiting in the lobby, listening to it. Um, the whole point of the whole story, one to show, I'm not some fucking like perfect dude who does, does everything right. Who knows everything about relationships and acts perfectly mm-hmm. all of the time. Um, and it's just sitting here like filled with well-being every day. And the point of the story is what's my lag time between yeah. when I don't behave, how I want to actually act and acting how I, and how I want to be and how I make those decisions. Yeah. And I think it's also a story of us both like actively working through our conditioning and letting go of what is no longer serving us. And for you to so courageously like follow my lead in that at times. And there are plenty of times where I have to follow your lead. It's just like a deep trust of each other and that leadership and it, and it can be complicated in that in those moments, I felt super judged. I felt a lot of sadness I felt very misunderstood and it was like all of my like childhood trauma was like coming up to the surface to play. But I also knew that like, and trusted deeply. I was like, we're going to get to the other side of this. I know it because we have so much evidence of like taking responsibility for ourselves and like creating space to do that. And that was, I think that's a big part of like what has worked for us is that we do give each other the space to like, consider you know where we're coming from and like to really look at ourselves in the mirror and feel into is this really me that's acting out is this really me that cares so much about my girlfriend wearing this outfit or is this something that I've inherited that doesn't belong to me yeah it was my need to appear and look like good yeah and like having it all to like like together right it's like I'm gonna come in there and we're gonna walk in and just be like, yep, we are the nice Sunday church. Great, <laughs> right. Um, and that shattered that whole fucking image bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm. And which one, thank you for that. And then two also made me fall in love with you more because you were being yourself. And it, like it's one thing to be myself. And it's a whole other thing to be myself when it's hard. Yeah. And what I observed was you being authentically Leola 
when it was challenging, both from pressure from me and uh, pressure from society and from a religion. We'll perceive pressure. At the end of the day, I observed, I don't know what your experience was, but no one was looking or cared. Yeah. I mean, I would say in that church, no one was like treating me badly at all. No one was like really welcoming me in either. Like it was clear I'd never been there before. And apparently they give you like special gifts. If it's your first time, I didn't get any special gifts, (laughs) but it's fine. I laid the codes on the land and I've done my duty. So Anyways, we're kind of going all over and I'm loving it. And I actually feel like we should just make this like a super long episode that I cut into two pieces and we do part one and part two because we're like 20 minutes into this. Yeah, I mean. I haven't even talked about any of the stuff that I wanted to talk about. But uh, at this point, I'd love to chat about like how we like kind of like leading up to meeting each other and then going into meeting each other, specifically focusing on like what were we doing at those times to kind of call each other in and considering that. So for the listener, this is, we're recording at the beginning of November, 2022. We met at the beginning of the year in February, which we'll go into when and how that happened, but we didn't start dating until July. Um, And yeah, so for me, I had just moved to Austin. Um, I moved to Austin at the end of December with my ex, we went through, I went through a hellish month in January, going through the breakup and like also trying to land in this new place. And, you know, I went through ISTA and there was just like so much clearing was happening. And then it was like the week that I got back from ISTA that I was co-hosting an event at our mutual, I guess she wasn't even your friend yet. Lydia, was she your friend? Well, she's now our mutual friend. I, I barely knew her as well. Um, just got connected because she had a beautiful home and was willing to have cool things happen in it, including Tantra events. And so I was there facilitating. And I remember, I remember when Andrew walked in and I do like quite a bit of events. And I will say that when I'm facilitating, I I, want to be as involved with people as possible, but I also am not really going out of my way to introduce myself to every person that comes in the room especially because I just like want to, you know, be in my energy, be really grounded. But when Andrew walked in, I immediately like felt this full knowing in my body of like, I would have that man's babies, which is the first time that's ever happened to me. Like seeing someone for the first time. I've had moments where I've met someone for the first time and I'm like, I'm going to fuck that dude. And So many great stories come to mind just saying that, but that was the first time that I was like, oh my God, like I would have that man's children or I'm going to have that man's children. It was almost like a certainty. So, but anyways, I'm just coming out of this relationship. I'm not really looking for anything serious, but I am drawn to Andrew. And so I go up to him, someone introduces us. Maybe it was Lydia. I don't know. And, you know, I'm kind of giving him the spiel of like snacks are over there and there's some Oracle cards down, um, down the little stairs there. Have, have you ever had an Oracle reading? And Andrew said, no. And I said, oh, well, I will show you how to do it, which I would never do to anyone else walking in and be like, oh, well, go check it out is what I would normally say. But because it was him, I was like, I would like to interact with this human more. I'm going to go out of my way to show, to read his Oracle basically. 
So I walked him down, we pulled a card. You were very vulnerable with me sharing some of the things that happened in your life, which I'll let you speak into. Um, so yeah, actually, why don't you share a little bit like of kind of where you were coming at at that time in your life? Uh, I would love to, and that's going to veer off into a whole other, like, cause we were talking about where we were coming into that room mm-hmm. and being prepared. And that's like a whole other branch of conversation. So we should finish up, uh, like our first meeting just for like cohesiveness, I think. Okay. Well, I feel like I, sh- I finished up our first meeting based on my story and I feel like you should finish it. I'm super down to finish it. Hello, lover. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And thank you for your patience with this brief interruption as I ask for a quick favor. If this podcast resonates with you, I would love to hear it in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective and your reviews also help this podcast become more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to find it and more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. Thank you again. Take these couple of minutes to hit pause, write a quick review, and then let's get back to the episode. So Leola's perspective is I would have this man's babies and pulls me aside to be to read oracle cards, to flirt. Like secluded away from everybody else to flirt with me. I think she's just being a very nice facilitator. And she's taking all of this time with me. And I feel like kind of bad that she, I'm telling I, I am taking her away from the rest <laughs> of her guests. I'm being so rude, <laughs> hogging all of her time. She clearly wants to go away from this experience that I have now trapped her in of reading Oracle cards to be with the rest of her guests. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, ex- excuse myself and say, well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I will see you around to the rest of the party. Um, thank you. In the back of my head being like, thank you so nice. And your interpretation was. My interpretation was I'm flirting with this man. He is turning me down and I'm ugly. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, this is an event that's like, it's called sacred surrender. We're working with Shabari and it's like sexy and things. And like, I see Andrew interacting with the other women and like, you know, we actually end up getting partnered for an exercise at that event too, which isn't normally the case. I was co-facilitating with another woman who was doing the ropes and we had a, and they had, we had a, a odd number of participants. So Andrew just happened to be the odd one out that didn't have a partner when it came time to do the rope exercise. And, you know, as who will be on this podcast at some point, you know, it was like, oh, Leola, why don't you jump in and partner with Andrew? And I was like, okay, maybe this is like my next chance to like flirt. <laughs> and we're doing the tie. And for those that haven't worked with Shabari, you can do it more sensually or more clinically, meaning like clinically would be just like doing the rope tie. Essentially would be creating an experience around it. And so we got to choose which one we wanted. And I said, of course, I want a sensual tie. Please flirt with my body while you tie this. And what did you- And I interpreted that as yet another, <laughs> oh, she just wants me to feel very welcomed. And because I was kick, like picked last for kickball and yeah. I didn't have a partner to start with. So she's just trying to make me feel better. So I'm going to just, but I'm going to make this super clinical and not like give her any sign. So I proceeded to tie this the, the least sexy way I could possibly yeah. try and tie Shabari. Um, 
which is interesting because it was also your first ever like event in this space yeah, as well like it, it was, was like your like this wasn't like a full-on play party but it was like a sensual play experience and like I feel like if that were to happen all over again like say we go to like a different event and you meet some girl and she's like I would like a sensual tie you would just trust it and you would tie sensually but I think that my perception is you hadn't had the like awareness yet to realize like that women can just ask for what they want and they mean it. And I wouldn't just say something like that to please you. Um, Really what it was for me was I found you incredibly attractive. And then there was no way that this incredibly attractive woman would actually be interested in me was actually what that was about. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew's the hottest man in the world. It's like so (laughs) confusing to me. Don't get it. <laughs> One, thank you very much. We all have uh, our insecurities here. And uh, to be, I, I think where that comes from is I didn't grow up that way. And I grew up as the chubby outsider nerdy kid. And so, uh, and that was the case for all of those formative years Yeah. Uh, until it wasn't. Uh, and then, so I'm like, just like a chubby, nerdy kid trapped in this man now. Uh, Hot man body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. And so that's part of what I get to um, not really deal with, but that's just part of what I guess I signed up for when I yeah. hopped into this experience yeah. of life. Yeah. So basically that night we didn't really connect and I felt rejected. Andrew didn't think he had a chance. It sounds like, but you continue to come to some of our events and some you did because you went through a little bit of like a celibate chapter, like one in some space from the sexy space. But overall, like I would see Andrew and I'd see him flirting with other women. And also, um, I would be like, I was new to Austin and meeting a bunch of girls and so many of them like either had a crush on you or like already dated you. So I'm just like, this is off the table. And meanwhile, I'm in my own process, like actually preparing for quote unquote sacred union. But I'd love for you to speak into like, what was your journey coming into that event that night? And then like leading up until like, we actually connected, like, what were you doing to prepare for partnership? What was your like, yeah, just. Well, the real answer to that question is a 39 year story to prepare myself to meet you. Yeah. Um, but in the like more acute range of time, um, I had gotten feedback from my dad, whom I love and respect tremendously, um, that I was. I was had like of the puzzle piece of list of the analogy he drew or metaphor he drew of the puzzle piece of life. I had all of these pieces set mm-hmm. and they were all placed and there was one major piece missing. And that was the heart piece. Mm-hmm. And in his opinion, it was what was preventing me from accessing that heart piece was a lack uh, was arrogance and a lack of vulnerability. And at the time, I wasn't trying to hear any of that shit. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And we got into a fight about it. And, and this was last fall. This right? was, yeah, this was a couple of falls ago. It was like, uh, it was the February before last. Um, so about a year before we met. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to hear any of that, mm-hmm. any of that shit. We got into a fight, um, recovered super quickly from it, like an hour later. Um, but the reason I wasn't trying to hear any of that shit is because of how fucking accurate it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, generally for me, the stuff that is the most triggering is the most close to home and accurate. Mm-hmm, same. And so that got me thinking and exploring like, okay, well, if that's the case, I knew arrogance was a thing. That was always, that was not good information. <laughs> I can be... <laughs> humility is not my strong suit uh but vulnerability that was new to me and that was new information i didn't even actually know what that really what that meant yeah or how to quote unquote be vulnerable what the fuck does that mean yeah so that got me into okay well i guess since it's like the heart piece and it's dating and romance i guess i'll just get a dating coach and so I got a dating coach and, uh, that, uh, sprung into another program, um, and which was super effective at breaking open what had been blocking me from vulnerability. And what I discovered for me, what vulnerability is, is sharing the things that are kind of sherry to scare, to share. <laughs> so the sharing the things that are kind of scary to share. Yeah. For me about what's actually going on. Like, how am I really? Um, and so I was on a, sorry, I got distracted from some sound that was There's happening a over on the, on the, the thing. I lost my train of thought. Um, you got a dating coach. I'm just discovering what vulnerability is. And so And then through all of this, my father, who is my best friend in the world, and I love most in this world, dies. And completely, it was the deepest pain I had ever felt in my entire life and was the hardest experience that I've ever had in my entire life, period, full stop. And walking into your party, he died on January 31st. And this was like a month later. Like three or four weeks. Yeah. So that's what I'm walking into. Mm-hmm. Was me finally breaking through my limiting perspectives and understanding around vulnerability. Crying for the first time really deeply uh, in years. Uh, and tapping into those emotions, uh, not just not even from the grief, but just from the vulnerability work that I had done, which is fortunate because I was actually able to tap into those emotions when my father died. Mm-hmm. And now I'm walking into this play party and meeting you. And that, so that's where I was at leading up to meeting you. Whew. 
I'd love for us now to like kind of explore like the next few months. Cause it was like February, March, April, May, June, July. it was like five months past between when we met and when we started dating. And I know for myself, a lot was going on in that time that created space for me to like really claim what I wanted in a relationship. And I'm, I know it was for you as well. So kind of going from, Yeah. I was already asking for what I wanted in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, That had been kind of the mission or objective or goal um, since my dad gave me that feedback uh, the February before. And uh, I was coming up short a bunch. And then someone gave me this suggestion. uh, This was before you and I had met uh, to write down this like perfect partner list. Uh, And I was like, well, I already have one. And and they were like, well, read it to me. I was like, okay, cool. Um, And it was one sentence and it was uh, like, I, Andrew will have a total bombshell who is an amazing human being. And that was it. Yeah. That's what I had. And the first time I was like, that's not enough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am those things but. like there's got to be more than what you want yeah. I was like well if they're an amazing human being like the rest will take care of itself he's like yeah 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 but like go into it and drill down mm-hmm. so I went ahead and I did and uh broke it down into like various categories and it's like three or four pages long of just this list of shit that I would that I want to call it mm-hmm. of like kind of non-negotiables the stuff that I really desired and really wanted mm-hmm. Uh, so I wrote that down and I guess I'm going to fast forward a bunch. Uh, we had to end up going on our first date and. Uh, Should I share like what I did in those months before we go into our first date? Let's do it. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So after that event that we met again, we like would cross paths. Andrew's name would come up and every time I would be like, Oh, that's like, that's like the sexy one. Like that's, Oh, that's Andrew. But it was always in a space where like, Oh, but it's not going to happen for me because he's not into me because I have this evidence that he's not. Um, and in that time from February to July, I knew that I like deeply, I actually, that's not even true. I actually wanted to get really clear. Do I just have this desire for family and babies and marriage and like all of these things is that like authentically me or is that conditioning so I went through a whole period of like making sure that that was truly what I wanted and it became yes and I want it so fucking bad like really bad and then it was also okay like then I have to consider like what kind of relationship I want because I also have a high degree of freedom in my life and I really value that And I actually don't see a single relationship around me that is exactly what I want from a partner. Like I have no evidence of what exactly I want. And so I don't know if I can get it all. Like I really don't. Um, But I would like to consider if I could have it all, what would that look like? And because I think that a lot of us, a lot of us frame like what we want to manifest, whether it's like our job or our passion or our partner or whatever, based on what we have evidence for. So we look at what other people are doing, or we look at what we've done in the past to frame our future. When in reality, 
what would happen if you just asked for what you actually wanted, all inclusive, even if you don't have evidence for it. And that kind of became my journey from February through July of like dating different people and getting little pieces here and there of what I wanted. And, um, it was messy and sloppy and I had a lot of really intense relationships. Um, and also, you know, initiations in my body too, which I've talked about on this podcast. There's an episode called soul initiations. And anyways, in late June, I was like, okay, I feel like I have all of the variables set. Like, I feel like I'm very, very, very clear on like, if I could have everything I wanted in the world, I know what that would look like in a partner. I still don't know if it exists, but I'm going to give it a, like a real honest try and like really do some sex magic about this and try to manifest it. And as you guys know, as listeners, pretty much like when I've talked a lot about sex magic on the podcast and like every single time that I work with my life force energy to manifest, I either get exactly what I wanted or I get something better. And so I actually took off a full day. I took off June 29th of this year, which was my half birthday as well as, um, new moon. I took off that day to just focus on being in that vibration of being with my partner. And that meant I, you know, I I spent the whole day, like as if I was like preparing for my partner to come home that night and like make them dinner. And I also did like a whole list of all the things that I wanted in my, in my partner as well. And I actually used a framework by Orica Balin, who's a guest on this podcast, I don't remember the episode number, but it's about the sacred beloved. And she talks about compatibility and compatibility of the head, the heart and the sex. So I did a whole journal prompt about what would be compatible for me in each of these three places. And it's necessary to have pure compatibility in the head, heart and sex to really be in like, to find your sacred beloved or being in sacred union. And I also think the really important thing to point out that I also did in this exercise, what I wrote at the top for the first time ever, this is my life partner. This is the father of my children. This is my husband. Whereas before when I would like manifest my partner, I would write at the top, like my love or my partner in love and growth, like things that were true of those relationships and are honestly true of this relationship too. But I wasn't, I didn't quite have the balls to ask for the big thing yet. I Can I pause you right there? Yeah. I think that's one of the cruxes mm-hmm. of what writing all of this stuff out is. Yeah. Is like, do I have the balls to ask for what I really fucking want, mm-hmm. really want. And really for me is I wanted someone who was this expansive sexually, but I didn't think a woman like that existed. Yep. You don't have evidence. I had zero evidence. Every relationship that I'd like every woman that I've ever been on a date on, it, there was a very, it was a very specific formula. It was like the intention of dating is so that we can become monogamous and then we can have children every single one. Yeah. And when, and there's nothing wrong with that plan whatsoever. And this isn't a moral judgment. It's just not exactly what I wanted. I wanted a family very much so. And I wanted a life partner very much so. But you also wanted, but I, but monogamy I never felt like it felt like a, not quite a square peg in a round hole, but it was like a trapezoid 
in a square hole. Like it was kind of close, but not really. It didn't really fit. Yeah. And I had always kind of had that suspicion and kind of felt that way and was one thought I was bad or wrong for feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And then was shamed for it tremendously by the other folks in my life, Mm -hmm. by either other women I was dating or my family or the rest of my friends, Mm -hmm. because that was the lens that they were looking for it through. But I was like, but I'm, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And I think that the beautiful thing about you and I is we're both stubborn to the extent and we know what we want and what we deserve. And we would just rather not settle for anything. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I remember that last month where I was like getting really clear and I was like, it's almost time for me to manifest this person. I know I can, I could literally feel you in my sphere. Like I was like getting all of these, like wedding like I like went to a store that like didn't sell wedding dresses but they just randomly had one and I tried it on it just happened to fit me like there were so many weird little things that were sprinkling in that I knew that it was coming and it terrified me because I was like does that mean that like I like I I realized I was also really happy in, in other ways and that like I had really abundant love in my life and I didn't I was terrified that that meant that I had to let go of all my other love if I were to like find my life partner and again, like it goes back to their shit. There just wasn't evidence of it. So I have, you and I both had to be bold enough to just say like, I'm just going to ask for it. I'm going to ask for all of it. I'm going to ask for all of the things that I want in one person and just see if it exists and if it can happen. If it doesn't, then fine. And maybe I will readjust and I'll, and I'll shift things around a bit, but. And I do this, I do, I do this all the time in just normal day-to-day life. And I'll, I'll be specific with what I mean here. And what I'm talking about is, is pulling back on my real desires and my true desires. And I've used this analogy before, but I use it because I think almost everyone can relate to it. Yeah. And <laughs> I just call, I call it the subway analogy. Yeah. So if I'm at the subway sandwich shop, and the sandwich artist at Subway is preparing my sandwich. And I'm like, I would like tomato on that sandwich, please. And they go, sure, absolutely. And they pull out some tomato. And then like the last tomato they put on is the tiny little bullshitty, like butt piece of the tomato. That's like almost all skin. And they're like, yeah, that's like an acceptable tomato. Red. Like, Then I have a conversation in my head and I go, I could ask for what I actually want, which is a full-sized, ripe, delicious piece of tomato on my fucking sandwich. Uh, or I could go, well, there's a line. I don't want to be, a, I don't be an inconvenience. Oh, well, uh, other people are waiting. Oh, well, this guy is having such a hard day already. As the Subway sandwich artist, this job really sucks. I don't want to make it any more difficult for him. Oh, there's like not even any left in this container. He has to go in the back and get like more tomatoes to fill the container. Like I can't have what I want. Oh my God, this is activating my nervous like, system. Yeah, right? And as a do I have the vulnerability and authenticity and, and integrity and courage to ask for what I really And also desire. the self-worth. I think that's the only thing you meant. All those things are true. And also feeling like I may actually be worthy of this. And like what an example you're also setting for everyone else to just ask for what they want and doing it from a place of like compassion and empowerment. Yeah. And I don't have to be an asshole about it. 
Yeah. I, I've worked in retail before, which I'm like, so I'm super empathetic in retail situations. And some people are just fucking dicks yeah. and they're really good at asking for what they want from that place. Mm-hmm. So can I be an authentic, vulnerable, whole human being who loves themselves and ask for what I want yeah. from that place? Yeah. Ah. And the answer is, yeah, I can. And I'm not done. Because I can do it one time and I can do it in that one circumstance and that's great evidence for the future. And then there will be, and that will level up. And maybe the Subway sandwich shop isn't where it's hard for me anymore. Yeah. Maybe it becomes more difficult for me to ask what I want with my partner. Maybe it's more, maybe that's, maybe that's fine and we're crushing it there. And now it comes to money and asking for what I'm like, for those who are self-employed or have their own businesses, asking for what you're really worth. Yeah. Or maybe if you're employed, taking on those responsibilities and asking for and negotiating for the salary that I want when I'm getting a new offer. Yeah. And there are countless examples of and opportunities for me to behave and act and who I really capital W want to be. Yeah. And I fuck it up all the time, but it's part of my rubric and an aggregate. I now am aware that there is a choice to be made here to behave how my God consciousness, how my God self or how my, how I really am wants to be. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, when I don't do it, it just feels shittier. (laughs) So the good news is, is I have a choice there. Do I just want to feel shitty or do I want to feel pretty good? It's like one, um, it's like the phrase fun, comfortable, like it's either going to feel shitty or it's going to feel fun, comfortable, (laughs) meaning it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but you're going to have some fun outcome. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was very fun, comfortable for me to be like, what would happen if I get everything on this list that I desire? Or what happens if I don't? And like, actually, like, it's not possible to have all those things. And I have to renegotiate all this. But, you know, to get back on on the track, which I loved where you went. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love this man. Can we Uh, just make out for the rest of the podcast? (laughs) Are you good to keep going? Because I feel like. I'm great. Yeah. Because I don't have anything. Uh, Yeah. This is when we, I said I was free to do the interviews literally right now. Okay. Good. So we have another, uh, let's say 50 minutes. I can give me 10 minutes for my next meeting. Um, I know this is a, a, like a, like a sidestep, but it's just coming with to me. I fucking love you. <laughs> and you can edit this out or whatever. I was actually, the tears were coming to my eyes right now, honestly. <laughs> like, um, like I love that we're doing this. I love that this is part of your life and this is what your life is. And this is the life that you built for yourself. Um, I love being a part of it uh, and being able to contribute. Uh, like I'm, 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 I don't know. He's People who are crying. listening, like, I, <laughs> there are tears falling from the Like, uh, this is beautiful. Uh, and I'm, I, I continuously witness you creating the world that you want to live in. I said, I've said this before to other people. And I think you've heard me say this before, so sorry if this is repetitive or redundant, but there's a lot of complaining in the world about how the world is. And some of them are legitimate complaints, but the ratio of complaints to actually making the world, like actually coming up with solutions and then implementing the solutions is way the fuck off. 
And I am honored and humbled to be in relationship with someone where that ratio is pretty solid. Don't get me wrong. You complain about plenty of shit. Uh, (laughs) And I'm going to bust your balls a little bit while I'm complimenting you. But you have fucking answers and solutions Mm -hmm. and then integrate and you don't do it perfectly. And I wouldn't expect you to, but you do. And so that's what just kind of drew me to tears as I'm sitting here talking about being on your podcast. We're going to go ahead and leave it off there for part one of this episode. This conversation has been so juicy and abundant and we're both so excited to share more with you for part two. So please stay, stay tuned next week for more on our love story. Thank you again for opening yourself up to vulnerability and to sacred sexuality and to love. It has been such an honor to share this with you and we'll catch you next week on Talk Tantra to Me. Ta-ta.